Gaming NBS episode 270 coming to you Sunday, December 1st, 2019. Welcome to Gaming and BS, a tabletop role-playing game podcast. I'm the Sean. I'm the Brett. Hey, folks. Glad to have you all here. Hope everybody's doing well. Sean, did you survive Thanksgiving in one piece? I did. Well, that's good. Did you? Yes. Did uh, did well. Um, hunting was terrible in Wisconsin this did month. You didn't bang, bag one, did you? <clears throat> no, I did not. Oh, my goodness. Rifle season, um, firearm season this year was just miserable for my son and I. Weather was terrible too. Um, I decided like yesterday was like downpour rain, light rain, heavy rain. I'm like, fuck that. I'm not sitting out there getting my, it's soaking wet. It's cold. It's miserable. Like I'm going today, Sunday, no matter what. So I got rain done, hail done, icy slushy mixed on, heavy, heavy snow. It was when the snow was falling, it was gorgeous. It was freezing cold. Didn't see a deer, but it was beautiful. So it was kind of nice. Because I figured, you know what, I'll sit out here, I'll be freezing cold, a little wet, kind of miserable, and I'll be thinking tomorrow at my desk in the office thinking, I, I could be in a tree stand, freezing my ass off. God, that, that's the life, isn't it? Because, <laughs> hey. We all find joy in our own way. Exactly. Exactly. But you had a good Thanksgiving and all? Yeah, I can't complain. It was peaceful. and It was your birthday. Happy birthday, Sean. Oh, thanks, Brett. Yeah, yes. yeah. Uh, just another year around the sun. Yeah, but you're uh, you're getting up there now. We gotta. I am. <laughs> yeah, nobody knows age more than I do. <laughs> nobody knows age more than I do. Nice. How much it can affect things. Very true. Because I'm a recruiter in the people business. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. How old are you? Oh, a little too old. Oh, yeah. I can't. Uh... I can't place you now. No, I would never do that. <laughs> I know you don't do that. I've heard I've heard the horror stories, as I know you have as well. But hey, before we start talking shop, let's talk about announcements. Some little actually gaming related here. Ivercon.org. As I've said before, I'm going to say it again. We've got BSers running games. I believe we're well over 200 events at this point, and usually keeps on climbing. So it'd be great to see folks there. BSers running games, playing, hanging out, doing the thing. Event submission deadline is January 2nd. So get that in, get that done. Um, let's see here. Dates for the con, January 10, 11, and 12. Check out our website, evercon.org, and you can get all the information. Get your badge, get your T-shirt, all that good stuff. Cool. I don't have anything new there. Sean, you got any more uh, announcements, stuffs? No, I didn't put it in the last week episode, but I'll put it in the die roll uh, link to ExploraCon. That's the con that's happening January 18th to the 19th. Are you? Are we running a deal on shirts or something? Did we do that? Oh, we done with that. That's true. So ExploreCon, check them out. We'll put a link in the in the die roll for if you're local to Madison or Illinois and you mm -hmm. want to come up for a con in January. Um, yes, but I think after the fourth, which maybe at, I'm going to try to maybe get this out tomorrow, but um, we'll see if we can run on another promo through the month of December for gaming and BS swag. So you can get your favorite loved one or you can drop your favorite loved one a hint and say hey i i really could use a new t-shirt and it used to say gaming and bs on it <laughs> it's to say gaming and bs on it so yeah we'll uh so we have one that's for black friday through the fourth with uh 20 off i think i sent out an email if you're on our email list if you're not you missed it or i put it out on twitter i put it out on facebook 
So just figured if you're going to buy a shirt, you might as well get a discount on it. Speaking of Twitter, I, I may have to get a new Twitter handle. Brett's got Brett's <laughs> I, been in Twitter jail for everybody that's not yeah, in the know. I Brett I lost, was naughty. I lost my I lost my temper and said something that's not my proudest moment. I did something stupid, so I am rightfully in Twitter jail. And um, I'm like, okay, the band should be up now. Let's uh, let's reactivate this account. And uh, everybody's wondering what you did. Holy Brett. crap! Trying to get back into Twitter is not fun. I lipped off to the president, so <laughs> <laughs> I said something. Yeah. Rude, rather very derogatory. So if uh, Brett has gaming and BS in his Twitter tagline, which I don't think you do. <laughs> I do not. We can officially say that we're probably on a no-fly list somewhere. Probably on a no-fly list somewhere, yes. So, thanks, yeah. Brett. Hey, yeah. thanks, buddy. Hey, I'm here for you. Getting older. What do I care? Goddamn people getting old and getting into politics now. I'm yelling at stuff. Just screaming at the wind, man. He's got some. Anyway, if I do end up having to get a new Twitter handle, I'll let people know what that is. Anyway, let's uh, random encounter. I'll let you go yeah, first. Yeah, let's get into random encounter. All right. Segment of the show where we field vo- voicemails, emails, comments from social media. Uh, so the first one's pretty short. It's actually a pretty short week anyway because yeah, a lot is. of people are on holiday. Mm-hmm. So Alina Celine Hawkins Young just pointed out a brief thing about what we said about having like a – giving a player some class that's easier to play on team player or lone wolf. I think we mentioned like give them a player character that's easy to play. Alina Celine says monk is actually easier than fighter because 98% of monk abilities are pre-calculated while fighter has to track several different types of weapons, armor, attacking stats, and magic items. That's a damn good point. I often forget the monk. I was never a huge fan of monk of the monk class. Even back in first edition, AD&D was never a big thing for me, and I don't know why. I'm a martial arts guy. I don't know why that wasn't a thing for me, but anyway, it wasn't a big deal. So I don't often think about Monk, and quite frankly, I don't often have a lot of Monk players in my groups. Huh. But point is well taken because yeah. um, Alina's right. 98% of the Monk abilities are pre-calculated. <laughs> you don't have, a lot to, don't have a lot of math to do there. That's a very good point. So it's not Fightor, it's Monk. Yeah, and it is something monk. instead of, and I would say, if you give those two options, you say, hey, fighter, blah, 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 or monk, and uh, monk has some cool powers and so on and so forth, and monk is a little different, a little cooler than just a regular stand there and tankity tank tank fighter guy. So I could definitely see that being something cool. Thanks for letting us know. That's a good point. That is a very good point. Alina Celine Hawkins-Young. And it looks like Blake Ryan hit us with a voicemail. Blake Ryan, here we go. G'day, fellas. This is uh, Blake Ryan from Australia uh, regarding Lone Wolf and Teams. Okay, I've had a few campaigns die because people take it personally when something bad happens to their characters. Uh, Real-life player friends go separate ways, and hence I avoid PvP unless it's part of the story and the players are okay with it. We used to call them loonies, you know, you're, you're fighting fire giants, someone climbs up their legs and does monster summoning in their pants. Or you're in a ship-to-ship battle, and someone sets fire to both ships because the dolphins told them to. It's just wacky stuff for as it's, much as tension-seeking as just a laugh. But then I've had a, a couple of other alpha leaders, I guess more like that's how they think of themselves. It's they want everything their way and they bark orders and if people resist they just go they either try to get them killed or they go their own way and they get annoyed. 
if you spend too much time with other players. In both cases, I told them to pull their head in. Uh, they got good items, but the NPCs treated the other um, characters better. Had a few greedy players that want the big item and doesn't tell anyone. So I, um, I make the item have side effects, like maybe it attracts giant-sized insects or makes them lose their money, or maybe it makes them an open door to the spirit world. As Sean mentioned, the, uh, you know you are splitting time if people separate and do their own thing. Uh, so spotlight management is essential. Some people will try to dominate or just plain be excited. So you have to be assertive and make sure everyone gets some time. Um, individual downtime is okay, but no more than sort of five minutes each for me. It's a group game. Um, I let players know they can message me for individual projects ahead of time if they want. I sometimes use uh, Brett's method of asking for each person in turn what they're doing, then do a group event. But if they don't show interest in the group event, then I say, okay, is anyone going to invite someone else on their sort of on their project or their goal, and just sort of hint that hey, you know, let, let's do some duo scenes rather than all just solo. Um, these days, I make sure each character has a link to two other characters. That way, no matter what happens, you have two potential leverage points or story directions that the player is uh, linked can link each other in. In modern games, it's less of an issue if people split up because you can drive across town in less than an hour. You can talk on the phones while you're investigating two different areas at the same time. Yeah, if anyone goes off on their own, I say, you know, is anyone going with you? Just to remind them, because most of my games have either magic and monsters, and you can just hint that something may happen and let their paranoia fuel, fuel your list of uh, events. Ages ago in Shadowrun, we had a decker that went for pizza. And he went for a walk, he got the best pizza of his life, he's sort of munching on as he came back and he's banging on the base door shouting about how good the pizza was. And they opened the door to, you know, receive the decker and the pizza. And that's when the Wendigo dumped out of the dumpster. Keep the curveballs coming and keep them on their toes. Alright, happy gaming fellas, keep doing what you're doing, still enjoying the podcast. And yeah, all good for the new year. All right, all I have to say to that is running up a giant's pants <laughs> and summoning, monster summoning monsters in his awesome. pants. My daughter came to me yesterday and said, hey, I have a really good way to uh, <clears throat> to insta-kill a bad guy. What's what's that? I can create water in their lungs. Uh, it's really not how the spell works. It creates water in any place you, you dictate. Therefore, I can put it in their lungs. <laughs> I'm looking at her and she's not kidding. I'm like, hmm, okay, interesting. Interesting, which is reminds me of the uh, summon monsters in the giant's trousers type of attack. Interesting. I do like um, I like all that Blake, but I, the one piece that that Blake mentioned there was um, keeping a couple of characters tied. Each character has a tie to a few other people, and I do also. He brought up something that I do as well, which is so you're going out there alone, Sean. Yeah, you're not taking anybody with you. Anybody going with Sean? Sean, you're letting Sean go by himself. Into the uh, vampire stronghold, then. Oh wait, ooh, ooh, yeah. Since you since you use logic and use those scary words, you should probably team up and all go together. So there's there's ways to get people to, <laughs> to even uh, hesitantly sometimes go where you need them to go. That makes sense. Good stuff. Next time you play D anD D, I expect Doc to come back to me complaining about how you summon monsters in the giant's trousers. I, I think the this. trick will be going up. The giant's pants. Halfling rogue, sorcerer or something. You can make this work. Dim door. Dim door. You got it. But then I have to summon. Yeah. You can make it work. Yeah. Yeah, you can make it work. 
there's nothing like a player that creates a player character to do exactly just one thing when the when the uh, situation presents itself. <laughs> so, and then oldest... if you get that one shot off, yeah, it's all it's, worth it. It's all worth it. Like DM kills your boys. guy after that. Nah, no big deal. My two boys are on this kick lately. When Connor's got free time uh, from Air Force, when he's in between uh, shifts, whatever he'll FaceTime AJ. And they'll talk about killer 5e combos, which can do, like, amazing amounts of damage and just rule-breaking horseshit asshattery. Like, oh, my God, this character could do, like, plus 90 points of damage on this blah, blah, blah. So at Thanksgiving, Connor has got time, so he calls us up, and he's explaining this to me. And I said, you can build the character so you could do that one thing? That's, like, it, right? Well, yeah, I mean, you'd, you'd save it for just that one. I said, Connor, Connor, Connor. He said, what, Dan? I said, I'll tell you what. If you build a character that has that ability, you're going to use it on everything you can. Well, I don't think. Oh, yes, you will, because you won't be able to resist it. You will not wait patiently for the beholder to show up. Oh, no, no. The first time there's a goblin chief, you're like, that's it. I form Voltron. Smash. Yeah, look at that. I could form Voltron every fucking time. He's like, yeah, that's a good point. That wouldn't remain secret very long. I said, exactly. So by the time you threw that out, I as gamer has to be like, wow. Well, son of a bitch made a beholder killer. I'll tweak this beholder, and then I won't. I don't have to deal with that problem anymore. He's like, oh yeah, that's right, because his whole goal was to come with this killer combo and then surprise the game master. I'm like, yeah, you can't surprise anybody. It's not going to work. Players don't do that. Well, there you have it. They just don't. Especially if you spend that much time building something like that, you want to use it. It's like the mad scientist who makes the death ray. He's going to use the death ray. Why wouldn't he use it? Well, because he's going to have the characters, like, sabotage him. Sabotage his plans. Maybe, maybe. Anyway. He's got a monologue. He's got a monologue. Yeah, that's the other problem. Monologue. Get you monologue every time. Get you every time. All right, let's get into the main topic already. Yeah. All righty. We're already ahead of schedule. We're way ahead of schedule. 15 minutes. Let's let's see what happens. So one of our listeners, James, wrote in and said, I was wondering, as you guys reflect on what you do to prepare for your regular game, how this changed over the years? Is it changed because you are more experienced DMs, or is it changed because you decided you don't give a shit and are winging it instead? Do you adopt the lazy Dungeon Master method of preparation, or do you have your own prep checklist you follow? What's the average ratio of prep time to play time you would estimate for your campaigns? Well, James, I, I looked at this, and I thought... You know, Sean and I have done some similar to this before. However, it's been a while. After 270 episodes, God knows when the hell we did it. I'm sure not going to go back and look them all up. Um, but I do know, Sean, I've been doing this for a little over five years now, and times change and attitudes and approaches change. So I thought about this in – I broke it into four different components, Sean. Preparation for one shot that you're running with friends, a one shot for new players – because we've often talked about new players, uh, new player games, a campaign, um, or a convention event. So when I, because when I started thinking about this topic, this idea from James, I thought, you know, I pretty much I have four different approaches, or at least goals in mind, um, which help me prepare um, for each game. And I basically broke broke it down like that. Of like, hey, if it's a one shot for a bunch of friends of mine, 
I have a certain goal in mind and I prepare to achieve that goal. If it's for new players, different goal, a campaign, goals, convent, and so on. So, Sean, when you think about um, the amount of preparation you do, whatever, do you, before we even get into some of that, I got to say, man, when someone says, how much do you prep for your game? My gut instinct is like, I don't know. Who fucking cares? I just, ah. You know, I, I, don't even, I don't even put much thought into it. It's not like top of mind, like, oh, I need to set aside X number of hours this week to get ready for my game. Do you have a regimented schedule that you're like, hey, I, I'm going to play for four hours, therefore I need two hours of time or something like that? Are you that succinct and direct? Well, Brett, what scenario are we talking here? <laughs> Let's talk about a campaign, one of the campaigns that you're running. So the campaigns that I'm running, I start out on fire, El Fuego, as I like to say. I see. Yeah. I uh, start to just devour the material because, of course, I run pre-published type stuff. And I just immerse myself into those pre-published adventures, those tomes. You go cover to cover? Uh, no, that's the problem. <laughs> you start out. El Fuego. I start and then out. you turn El into El, El Sloth. <laughs> I start out El Fuego. And then you become a cheeseburger-eating American. <laughs> and don't do much. Not That's good. true. I anyway. uh, I don't take a lot of notes. Uh, I haven't in a while. And I so, for example, Tomb of Annihilation that I'm running with the Jeffster and company and, mm-hmm. uh, and Joe and Andy <clears> – <throat> And uh, with that group, I know that I'm running this coming Saturday. So I will, in my library, make that a make that a make that a book of choice. Okay, yeah. Which means that, ladies and gentlemen, you read in the bathroom. We got it. We got it. I put it on the sink. We got it. Right. (laughs) Don't touch Sean's books. So I'll read that to some degree. Fairly sporadic throughout the week. And now, do you do it, that? Do you do that specifically, like to get your brain engaged in it, that setting? It does two things: to get my brain engaged, <clears throat> as well as figure out where they are and where they may be going. The problem with that is, you could say, so for example, Tomb of Annihilation, they are in a part of the adventure where it, it's well, and the problem with the whole adventure is a whole is just. In general, is that it's an open sandboxy type game, hex crawl. Yeah. Okay. So they're in a part of the adventure. I won't give too much away because people might be going through it or want to run it or want to play it, where they could go. Well, it's a dungeon, so they could go left or right or straight or down or up and whatever. And so that it's very difficult for me to determine. Well, oh, they're going to go into this room, and then they're going to go into that room, and then they're going to go into this room. So I'm just kind of getting an idea of. Any of the high-level stuff that I need to be aware of, like what's the environment like? Is there any ongoing wandering monsters that I need to keep in mind? Anything that would make – like I should keep in mind as I proceed through. So a couple hours of that type of yeah, maybe. brain impression? Yeah. I would never sit down and probably try to two-hour prep. That's just to me – I'd probably go fall asleep, honestly. I'm old. I fall asleep now for no reason. I rest my <laughs> no eyes. Reason. I rest my, my eyes. My, my old game. man used to say, rest in his eyes. Now I totally get it. Now I get it. Yep. So I think I do something very similar. Um, because I don't use published adventures, I often oh, glance through the notes that I took from last session. Sometimes, as of late, <clears throat> what's happened is I'll write on the whiteboard at the game 
room and I'll take a picture of the whiteboard when I leave. So it's on my phone. I'll glance at that. The last couple of series of those photos. Oh, yeah, that's what's happening. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Let's see. What are we doing? Okay, cool. Get that. So maybe a couple, you know, 15, 20 minutes, half hour thinking about that stuff. And then to get the closer the game gets for the campaign that I'm going to run, I actually start watching. I start looking at other movies, books, uh, articles, websites, anything that helped to inspire me through. So right now I'm running Delta Green. So getting closer to it, I'll pull up my Delta Green rule book and say, how does insanity work again? Just make sure I'm prepped on that, similar to what you're doing. That's a, a key um, a key mechanic. I want to make sure I'm sharp on that. Cool. Got to have that. How do they deal with bonds and uh, that type of thing? Refresh. I ask. Good. I want to make sure I'm key on that because I want to start the session off with a with a bond event. So, okay, cool. We'll do that. All right. Was there anything that went bad last time? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The guys had a hard time dealing with hand grenades. <clears throat> look up the thrown weapons. Look up something like that. And um, refresh myself on any problem rules. And then I'm pretty much ready to go. But I don't do... I don't time it. I don't take a lot of notes during. Sometimes if I'm like at, at work during a really boring ass meeting or I'm eating lunch at my desk and I've got five minutes to myself, I'll write a little bullet point list of like, oh, yeah, remember Yig is set. Serpent people are mind control, question mark. And then I'm like, yeah, that's good enough. <laughs> it's just sometimes it, it's all – I think there is – maybe for me it proves to be a fallacy of – Preparation equals a focus time of writing and note-taking. So I'll hear, hear people say, I'm writing the adventure. I wrote this adventure up. I designed it. I wrote it. Whatever. I don't write shit, generally speaking, for a campaign I'm doing because it's just that whatever's going to happen is going to happen. I don't have – I don't. I, I'm not reading it from the book as you are even paraphrasing or whatever. I don't, I don't take notes um, ahead of it. I just kind of roll with it and – just by going over what happened last time, refresh the notes and those pieces, it just gets my brain back into the space I was before when, when I last ran it. And that's good enough. Then I'm ready to go. That's how I handle it for a campaign anyway. Yeah. yeah. So very similar. I think, uh, I think part of the challenges I'm finding with running games is keeping track of everything. Because I'm running some stuff that's, I mean, Tomb of Annihilation, not so much, but Masks is crazy. Yeah, that's a, that's a hell of a lot more complicated. It's totally complicated because you have to, because what's going to happen is players are going to forget or they're going to hit a wall. And you're going to have to come up with like a boost in order for them to go in a particular direction. But you don't want to, you don't want to lead them into a particular direction because there isn't really a right or wrong direction. That's why I found whether my current method is I'm writing the notes on a whiteboard like Stephen Elzis, this, 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 this person's name, this symbol. I, then I take a picture with my phone and keep that as a note or I have a notebook. I'm keeping track of certain things in as well. Sometimes it's both. Sometimes it's one or the other. But using that as my refreshes where they are, all the stuff that's going on. And I look through all of it, all the names and so on and so forth. And then a buddy of mine uses mind mapping software. He likes doing that. Um, I find that to be annoying. I don't, <laughs> I don't, it doesn't work as well for me for some reason, probably because I haven't focused my time on it. 
But that helps me keep track of what the hell they're doing because the Delta Green game they've got going right now is very sandboxy. Yeah. Go wherever the fuck they want. I mean, they have to follow orders, do certain things, but how they go about it, they could end up almost anywhere on the planet. So it's it's kind of crazy. And if I don't take those notes, I'm going to be – what will happen is we'll show up, start playing. Everyone will kind of remember where we are. Someone will say – Baghdad, and they're like, oh, fuck, that's right. We're not going to Baghdad. We're going back to New York. Oh, shit. Then we were going to say, the last two hours of uh, game discussion was complete waste. Supposed to be in New York. God damn it. So before the end of the night, I tried to take the final note that is where they thought they were going. So that way, when I come back and look at it later on, I can't remember what the hell I was doing. Make sense? It does. And, and I could easily go to the player's either right as the session ends or after we all go home and just say, all right, next week I need to know what you guys are going to be doing. Like, where, what, what is your plan for next week? Like, where? oh, you're going to go visit her, him, go to another country? Yeah. Okay, that's great. And then I can – I mean, that's similar to the old um, West Marches, right? Tell me yeah, where you're going to go, and then I can yes. prepare for it, and then I can present it to you. Mm-hmm. Um, Campaigns are a different beast because of, even if you're running it out of the book, as you are, you know, a prepared module, there's still plenty of open-ended stuff to do. Because players are going to do crazy-ass shit. I mean, unless you seriously pull out the train hammer and wang the crap out of the party, they're going to do what they want to do. They're going to do something unexpected at some point, right? It's going to happen. Yeah, man. Mass is 666 pages. Yeah. <laughs> they got a lot of places to roam. They do. I don't even know if they go to an, a particular country what happens in that country when they get there. Yeah, they could. And the other thing that's fun is they could get a wild hair and end up in India. Right. Does India have anything to do with it? I haven't read Mass in a very long time. Maybe it doesn't. They could end up in India anyway because that's where they think they need to go. Well, and the tricky thing with masks is you have to. You're saying following bad clues or right. misinterpreting clues in a That's game like that can one. drive you crazy. Yeah, misinterpreting clues would be. Why are they going there? Um. Okay. Maybe. All right. So let's take it to a different extreme again. Let's talk about it with our friends here. So we're, if you're going to run a one shot, like yeah. um, <clears throat> when. Papa Swick was in town, and I ran Avalon for you guys. For me, that one-shot for my friends was not too bad. I like to, for one-shots, if we have time, have people make characters. Or just to speed things up, I usually make pre-gens like I did that game. It's just faster. Hey, we're here to play. Fuck it. Here's some characters. Pick them. I'm going to set up this adventure, and off we go. What I do with one-shots for friends of mine is I tend to dig into my repertoire of things I've done in the past and then turn them on their heads a little bit. So I like to run a siege um, where you're in a building or in a confined space and bad guys are laying siege to your location. How can you survive? How can you escape? Dealing with that, you have to go um, rescue something, usually an artifact. I don't like the whole people component of it. Go get a thing. Um, Those types of those types of deals or um, <clears throat> figure out what's wrong in the neighborhood in Avalon. You know, there's a monster, there's a creature, there's something causing problems or whatever, um, that type of thing. But I tend to use 
tried and true methods that I know work. I know them really, really well. And if the players, my buddies decide, hey, we're going to do this. I go, ah, shit. Eileen decided to go over here. That's okay. I know this adventure like the back of my hand. I can run this. So these are my standard adventures. I can change them, flip them, spin them around a little bit. But I just, that's, I dig into my 30 plus years of this hobby and pull stuff out. That's, so one shots for my friends, apart from making pre-gens, not too bad. How about you? Um, for one shots, I would say that I take some notes, but it depends on whether I've run it before. If I've run it before, it's very, very easy. And that's what I find me personally. If I do something once, the second time is not a big deal. Yeah. We talked about that even with you, with that little LARP, that poker LARP. Yep. Like, oh, ran it once. going to be better next time. Yeah. The deal by Todd Crapper and Broken Rules correct. Games. <clears throat> correct, correct. Um, but do you you go? For, do you prefer to dig into the old uh, bag of tricks and pull out a standard? Maybe change around a little bit, or do you like to do something new as a one shot? Mm, I have to say that I would, I would, I like going to Old Faithful. Yeah. Unless I have some time to prep. Like, if it's a new, I mean, Tuma uh, Horrors, The Deal, and The Great Gatsby at GameholeCon were all mm-hmm. one shots. They were all new. I never had run any of them before. Well, one of the interesting things that running a one shot for friends, if you are doing something new, sometimes it's a great opportunity to make those pregens for a new system. Like, hey, we've never played Over the Edge before. I'd like to try Over the Edge. I made characters. I got a couple people ready. Okay, let's let's get four of us together. We're going to play. And you can use that opportunity as a one shot. If I'm using it with my friends, because I have done this in the past, I'm to play test something, usually a new rule set or a new game, basically, overall. Then it's a great opportunity to say, okay, um, all right, time to have a fight. And then you know, and the players pretty much know, we're going to hit all the main components of the rules. We're going to fight, we're going to cast some spells, we're going to use some skills, we're going to do a chase, we're going to do X, we're going to do Y, we're going to do Z because of the type of game this is. Okay, cool. And we give it a shot just to kind of knock it around. In that case, the prep is all around making sure I know where all the stuff is to be found in the book or on the Game Master screen because I'm going to be doing something new. And I've prepared everybody else at the table that, hey, we're going to do something new. It might be a little clunky, bear with me type of thing. So I can see definitely doing that, for sure. Yeah, I and, uh, I don't run that, a lot of one shots for the the gang. True. Yeah, and I don't do it often. And usually, if I'm doing that type of one shot, it's that preparation is actually longer than a campaign prep for me because I'm reading the whole new rule book. Like if I were to say, "All right, that's it. I'm finally going to run Cipher System. I got to read the damn rules." Make the characters do the thing. I've never done it before, so it's going to take hours. I'd, you know, pick a weekend and get it done on like a Saturday or something and get it, you know, knock it out and then get it done in an, in time for the game next week or whatever the case is. But that's going to take longer. I would say probably, you know, two to four hours depending on the complexity of the game. But that's those usually take longer because I've never done it before. But if it's Old Faithful, it's like, oh. You know, if 
Like, forget about it. <laughs> Everybody know the rules? Nope, that's okay. Forget about it. We're off, and you're running. You know, you, you don't need you don't need a lot of prep for that one because you've done that a bunch. Like iron shoes for my Avalon setting. I can run that right now. I've done that a whole bunch. If the team I'm playing with has never played it before, they're going to have a blast. I know all the ins and outs of that thing. It's all good. I do want to run something that's not pre-published and find out how that goes. Like something homebrew. We'll see. Um, you should. I, I don't need to run another game right now. That's the problem with some of the Patreons that I've had is like I haven't been able to dedicate enough time to to running another game. And I think about, oh, yeah, I'll just – I'm going to do this. I'm going to start that. No. I don't. It won't happen with the amount of time that I'm not being able to dedicate to it. <clears throat> I think the one thing that James mentioned is like the lazy dungeon master and stuff. I, I think if you are looking for a method, it makes sense to read like Never Unprepared by Phil Vacchione and, and those guys um, reading the lazy dungeon master stuff. Anything along those lines, it makes sense to read that stuff because if you don't have time and you haven't had 20 plus, 30 plus years of banging this Hop, banging through this hobby and learning what you want, how to do it. Um, sometimes people just don't know how to prep quick. And for me, some of it is not being afraid to go to Old Faithful, not being afraid to, you know, take notes, use things I know, so on and so forth. But um, the other one, but I honestly, a lot of it to me, because of the experience I have, and I think this is one of James, you know, being more experienced game master yeah it does it it makes things easier for me because i've got a huge bag of tricks to dig into in case i get stuck i that's why i won't say i always know what to do but i have way better prepared because i've seen something like this before it's like moving data centers man oh this is broken i've seen this before <laughs> no i've done i've done enough of this you get really good at it well and one of the things i get a little hung up on with prep is you know, it's it's like a plan of engagement. It only you know never, never survives for never survives first contact with the enemy. Uh, in which that's case, honestly why I like what we talked about at first for our campaigns is kind of get your mind right, get in the zone, if you will. You know, hey, where were they? What were they doing? What are they trying to accomplish? That's cool. All right. Oh yeah, that's right. They're trying to go to New York. Nope, they're not going to New York. They're going to Singapore, and then this, that. Okay, cool. We're good. Off we go. Yeah, kind of get your brain back in the game, back in the campaign, and you're ready to roll. One shots are tougher. Um, now, let's take it aside from one shots for friends. One shots for new players, I find is very, very similar to my one shots for my friends, in that I definitely pull out an old reliable adventure idea um, whenever possible. I have pre-generated characters just to help kind of speed things along. Sometimes the new players want to make characters, and that's fine too. But I also simple, simple, simple. So new players don't get into a you know Game of Thrones type of politics. You don't get into a Lord of the Rings epic, got to go from the Shire all the way to Mordor and back type of thing. Um, those tend to be very simple adventures, an obvious goal, not a lot of backstabbing, maybe a couple tweaks here and there. Do I trust them? Don't I trust them type of events? But... I keep it very streamlined, and those are pretty darn simple to prepare for. Honestly, those those games I can prepare for. If I have pre-generated characters, I'm already ready at the table. 
depends. As soon as they start talking and playing, I just work with it. It's very much the, uh, the Kelly's law of give them what they want at that point. They're new players. Help them have a good time. Help them experience the game. And that's the goal I have there. And by keeping that goal in mind, I find the, the new player games are pretty simple. I just I got an old reliable type of story, and we're running. Yeah, I can see that. Do you run a lot for new people? You don't run a lot for brand new gamers, do you? I haven't. Uh, no, not really. Unless it's a convention game, I haven't. Although, I mean, I'm waiting for my buddy Justin to just give me a call and say, hey, man. We want to get this thing off the ground, so for those that, let's do it. <laughs> for those that don't know the reference, Justin's a guy that I talk to over the phone on my day job, and he started poking away at my gaming background, and I think he's been tasked to run something for his group, and they none of them have ever played tabletop role playing games, and so I said, "Hey, give me a call, man. I'll come over and I'll run a one shot for you." Yeah. Okay. So, but I haven't gotten the call yet. I haven't gotten the email. I should actually email him and say, hey, I didn't see you at GameHole.com. Get a game yeah. off the ground yet? Just curious. Just need a hand? You know. He probably thought I was just joking, so. Like, yeah, yeah, lay it out. Lay, yeah. Hit him back. If yeah. you hit him back, you're like, oh, dude, I'm dead serious. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to pull him up on LinkedIn right now. I'm going to hit him up. So I. <laughs> hey, dude. How did. Hope this finds you well. <laughs> I was GameHole.com. Oh, wait, you weren't there. Um. So one shots, generally speaking, it sounds like we both minimal prep because we're digging into an old faithful. It's something we've done before. Now a con game, or the, or oh, I already know. So one one, there's a caveat to that, Brett. So one of the one shots, I mean, there the one shots that I run a game hole con. It does vary. Like forget about it. It's probably the longest running game I've ever ran. Well, that's not fair. The single one. You've repeated it the most often. I've repeated it the most often, the single scenario game. Got it. Okay. And uh, the rest, though, that I've run, they're all over the place. Like, I've run Savage World Ghostbusters. I've mm-hmm. run... Um, God, what else did I run? We just did... Um, shit, you just named it the poker game. Duh, the Deal. The Deal, yeah. The Deal. Um, great Gatsby. Gatsby and a Great Ration. Yep. Never done that before. Uh, I've run... Um, the Force 5 from Alderano, even though it was only a couple hours. So those, when I actually sat down to hash out, because Savage World, Ghostbusters, and the Age of Rebellion Force 5 from Alderaan were mm-hmm. completely my ideas. I didn't go and get a module or anything. The only things that I used for those games specifically that were pre-generated or pre-published were the and the character player characters got from it. the beginner box of got Star it, Wars it. Age of Rebellion. Otherwise, I made the, the Savage Worlds Ghostbusters is kind of funny. I talk about oh my god, it was terrible. Like just I had off, a, just <laughs> off the rails crazy. Well, I had a couple players that were like, "Hey man, and if I play, I'm like, oh, I got a slot open. Sure, go ahead." And it was, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I really drove the stereotypes kind of pretty pretty much home. As a matter <clears> of fact, the players were like. Wow, that's not a stereotype or anything. I'm like, hey man, roll with it, dude. It's yeah, it's stereotype. That's that's kind of the funny thing about it. Got it. <laughs> so if you're offended at stereotypes, yeah, this is a game is not going to be for you. But it, it wasn't all. It wasn't in a in a derogatory way. It was just kind of a 
Yeah. I can have like you know the bookish nerdy librarian, you know. Right. That, exactly. Yes. You know, the you know the the fast talking sales guy. It's just some of that stuff is it's cliche. Yeah. Almost oh, more totally. Than, almost more than stereotype. You know. Yes. More that game was like all over it for some reason. I don't know where my brain was when I brought it up, but all those who are I mean. The scenario, the events, the player characters, all the pre-gens, all that stuff were all just, I had to come up with something and I did it and it was, you know, whatever. I think my con events are generally the same as one-shots for new players or one-shots for friends. It's a number of hours. The hardest part is usually making pre-gens that will fit the adventure. I want to make sure that they're compatible. I don't want to have, you know, two monks a bard and a sorcerer in a game where if you don't have a cleric, you're dead, right? You don't have four, you know, four smugglers and, hey, if only we had a four-sensitive guy because without four-sensitive guy or lady, we're in big trouble here. What the hell? <laughs> we need four-sensitive. Where's my goddamn Jedi? Where is she? You know, then bad idea. So I, I think from like a raw time perspective, I think to go back to James, I think because I'm an ex- experienced game master – I have the basics of what's going to happen, and then I roll with it. All the games I ran at GameholeCon, all three Avalon games, I had run Fish Story i never run before, not that version of it. I do something a little bit different every time. The first time I run, I'm like, oh, I think, it, I think this sounds cool. Then when it's done, I take some notes like, oh, I did this, this, and this. Great. Second time I run it, let's try it. But sideways. Oh, that didn't work so well. Let's try it with a Gorgon. Let's try it with an Atiyag. Let's try it with a this. And I muck around with it. Um, those adventures, the reason I'm doing that is specifically because I want to publish them, much like I did Iron Shoes and Blacksmith's Folly and so on for the Avalon setting. But otherwise, I, I bang them around with different ideas and options, even if I don't want to publish them. I'm doing it because I know I took that one adventure I've stretched it in three or four different ways. Oh, I ran a fish story with these creatures. I ran it with merfolk. I ran it with this other creature. I ran it with this creature. Hey, I now have four different critters that could be the key behind a fish story. Neat. That means when I want to run a one-shot in a Savage Worlds fantasy game, I can do the same damn thing. Because it's still an old faithful adventure, I know four different types of creatures that can go with it. Like, hey, there's merfolk in the Savage World setting. Boom, I have my fish story. There we go. I'm off and running. So sometimes the reason I stretch it and change it around a little bit is, one, I want to, be, I want to make it interesting. You know, I don't want to run, forget about it 15 times and have it be the same goddamn thing every time. Because then I'll be bored. I don't see. I, I think that... Uh... <laughs> the players prevent that. Yeah, in that that one especially. And that I could do. Especially. I could. I could. I mean, I can always start out with the old, like the old go to first encounter. This happens or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But honestly, I I run them so far apart that I will forget the order in which I actually oh, okay, present yeah. the problems. <clears throat> True enough. And I think when I do that, the funny thing about forget about it is when you. If I approached it one way one year and a year goes by and I run it again, but I run the encounters differently, they're usually the same. They're in my brain like this is going to happen, this is going to happen. When? Who knows? Maybe this will run first, mm-hmm. then this one second. Depending on the order, 
will depend upon the rest of the adventure. Yeah, that's a good like point. Like when I bring the motorcycle gang into play, it's going to be different if I play it in the middle versus at the beginning because then they're going to have to contend with the motorcycle gang mm-hmm. in different respects. When I ran Vera's Wrath for uh, for Shannon, one of, the, um, our, one of our uh, supporters for Gaming BS, and he was a Avalon supporter as well, and I ran a game for he and his, his buddies up in Alaska. And then I ran the same game in at uh, GameholeCon. But I learned a whole bunch when I ran with Shannon's crew. I'm like, ah, oh, this is cool. I know what to do here. I can make this a more – that was more of a – a mini campaign I ran with Shannon. This one, I'm like, it's a one shot. So I want to take some of the cool pieces from that game and, and mix it in here. This will be great. It was, I think I said this before, it was, <laughs> from my perspective, it was the one that did not go as well as I'd hoped it would. And I'm like, okay, that's it. I, if I'm going to do this, I either have to keep it a mini campaign or tweak the damn thing. So it's not, I'm not doing it necessarily just to challenge myself, but I'm mixing it up because I want to take different pieces and parts that I think would be interesting. And honestly, I think the more more that we're talking about prep here, I think what I'm hearing you and I say a lot here, Sean, is it's about getting our minds <clears throat> into that game, right? Getting your meat, your brain meats all set up so that, oh, I'm running a LARP. I'm running Gatsby in a Great Race. So the only way to do that for me is I get my shirt and tie and I get my black shoes and pull my hair back and I'm ready to go and I run that game because <clears throat> that's, you know, or, uh, hey, I'm going to run an Avalon game. So I sit down, what pieces do I want to do or whatever. But it all comes down to, I think for you and I, even more than what are all the different pieces and parts of the adventure where you jump into the pre, pre-written module and read the shit out of the whole thing and take copious notes. Or, as you said, no plan survives for contact with the enemy. Get ready for the first session and then see where it goes. And then have enough information so that way whatever time lapses between first session and second session, you have enough information to get your head back in the game. Right? Because it's like a really long halftime show. (laughs) You know? It's like that halftime show at, at the Super Bowl for two teams you don't care about. You come back, who's ahead? I don't know. I just want to get nachos. You got to come back and have somebody show you the highlights from last from last half. Because say, oh yeah, that's right, that's right, that's what that's what the Patriots were doing, or whatever the case is. That that's fair, Sean. You think that's accurate? It is. We're saying yeah. here, yeah, yeah. I don't honestly think if I were to put an, a time on it, I don't think for any game, I would spend more than a couple hours a week. And that's like hit or miss thinking about a thing. I think if you're spending too much, to me, too much would be probably over two hours a week. For well, <sighs> and I'm, I'm thinking sometimes I'm I'm just collating it, saying it's not con, it's not contiguous time. True, it's, te, it's ten minutes on the drive to work. Right, it's listening to a podcast and go, oh yeah, that's right. Noted. Drive on, drive, drive, drive. Sure. Get to work, mid-meeting. Yes. Snake men worship this. Got it. That's not too bad. I would be surprised you're hitting two hours at, with that stuff. I'm guessing. Yeah. I honestly don't know. I think you're right. It might be an hour. Tops. Because some of that, I mean, yeah, it all adds up. But, I mean, seriously, oh, you heard something in a podcast and you jot it down or you put it to memory? That's like, you know, a few a seconds, second, right? Two seconds, right? yeah. Could be could be half hour, hour tops, maybe. Sure. But- I think that if you are 
preparing. I'm I like to have ducks in a row, and I like I know a lot of GMs like to have their ducks in a row, and they're going to be able to come up with any answer that any player character could ever come up in any given situation. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and Brett's reaction to that is 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 what everybody should be like laughing right now. Yeah, because it's just not going to happen. Because at some point, Jeff shows up. Answer me, right? Yeah, they're totally going to take the person prisoner. No, they're not. They're going to totally kill him. Yep. It's just it's going to go off. That's why I think that when people sit down and prep so much, there's a couple things that are are not the. the, Over-prepping can lead to horrible disappointment on your side. Well, it it leads to horrible disappointment, but it also gets into why are you prepping so much if you're wanting to give the players the latitude to do whatever they want. So if you're so it's a balance because if you don't prep, you're going to be law, you're going to be caught with your pants down. Mm. If you prep too much, then you're forcing too much story on the players and not letting them develop themselves. Yep. Then you're I mean, basically have- writing the story. And then you're going to get pissed off because the players aren't following your story. Correct. I mean, we we the the shtick for the last five years we give Sean shit that he's a train conductor, right? What? He does not. <clears throat> he doesn't run like that. Clearly, I do. <laughs> I think but, it's the only way to run. True. I mean, if you really want the best experience, as you as a game master can have. Um, <laughs> that said, though, Sean, I think you're dead on. In that, sorry, there dropped that. Um, if if you go too far in, you will disappoint yourself. You become frustrated as a game master, and it's going to show. It's like if you show up to the game and you're pissed off at something, and it's going to show your players are going to be able to tell. Oh boy, he seems kind of pissed. She's a little angry tonight. Um, people can tell, and if you and if you're frustrated, they're going to be frustrated, and. If you find yourself having to say no a lot or forcing the direction in a certain way because it's the only way you can get them to go where you need them to, you know, ah, you're it's it's too strong. You, I think over prepping, you know, hours and hours and hours and hours of design and development uh, and all this hardcore writing that people that I, I've seen people say they do, I'm like, man, unless you need all that to get your brain your brain meets in the right zone there, oh wow. Seems like a lot of time. And if you love that shit, that's fine. If that's what you need to do to get yourself in the in the juices flowing and ready to rock and roll, great. But otherwise, man, you're killing yourself with too much. Well, here's the secret about railroads. Yeah. You don't need a lot of prep. That's true. You would think that running a railroad, good, you would need, need a lot good, of prep. And you'd that, have good scenery though. Right. Well, you would think you would you would want to be prepared and write your own story, and then you're going to have the players follow your story, and that's the railroad. Mm-hmm. No, you just come up with some scenario, you pitch it to the players, and then just have one avenue. It's linear, right? People call it linear. Mm-hmm. You make it so linear that they can't that it doesn't bend or curve. Yeah, it's one. You stress you can stress it all you want, but the dragons right behind you. Uh, yeah, it's it's geometry 101, man. You put a segment on that line. <laughs> and that's you. And the next segment, and the next segment, and the next segment. That's it. Like, there's no, you just know what's going to happen. 
There you go. <laughs> There's the secret. Wrap it all, all right. up. Put a bow on it. Merry Christmas. There, there you go. James, I hope we answered your question. I think generally, I, I think right now, our, if you were to ask Brett and Sean what's your average ratio of prep to play, I think the play time is way over the, over the prep time. I think we're looking at a like one prep to 50 play. I mean, it's Well, that's a good drastic. point, too. It's drastic. I mean, I could prep and and read a chapter in masks, and they're not going to get through a quarter of it in two sessions. Yeah. So that's another thing, too, is you could prep and sit down and say, okay, I think I got a good enough material to last this session. And then you find out they don't even get through half of it. Wow, good for three sessions. Right. The Pacey's bastards are going, they'll never get there. That's what happens to me is I do that, and then I, I'm like, oh, it carries over. So then I don't yeah. have to do anything. And then I don't do anything, and eventually it catches up with me. <laughs> Oops. Oops. But if you take these in notes, as we said, and reference back, I think a lot of preparation for, for both Sean and I, I think we stress this a bunch here, and we'll finish with this, is it's getting getting the brain back to where it was. Life is, there's lots of shit going on. Married, you got kids, you got dogs, you got cats, you got stuff you got to do, you got a car problems, you got to get to work, you got shit to do. And dumping tons and tons of, I, I love gaming as part of my free time, but I also have other shit I have to do in my free time. And finding ways to minimize it and basically keep your brain in the same zone it was in while you were gaming last. Whatever I do, I try to get, I try to make that, that's my goal. If I get my brain in that zone, I'm good to go. Yeah. Cool. All right, man. So other people out there, I'm positive, have better, possibly more succinct <laughs> or methods and so forth. We listed a couple different places to find methods and approaches because sometimes if you don't know what to do or where to start, um, we didn't get into I do X, Y, and Z here. We weren't very um, prescriptive, but there are other methods and tools out there that are much more prescriptive. So. If people know good ones, let us know. Or if you've got ideas or things that you do, let us know that too. It'd be great to share it. Shall we? We shall. That roll. D-roll. 2D4 miscellaneous points. Gaming and Geekery, you want to bring to your attention. All right. I, uh, so color out of space. I missed putting this one, the Nicolas Cage one. Did you do you I have got Prime? it off the forums? Do you have Prime? I do have Prime. Amazon Prime, if you go to it and type in Color Out of Space, there's a German movie. Oh. Black and white. And there's a couple black and white um, Cthulhu films out there. The Outer Gods, Color Out of Space, and shit, there's another one. But anyway, the Color Out of Space one is very good. The German one is good. Was it? Yeah, it's very good. <clears throat> and Color of Space is a damn good story. So the Nicolas Cage one looks pretty slick. Yeah. So thanks to Shane on the forums for pointing that out. Uh, I don't. Is it out? Out? Like, is it on Prime or where is it? I don't even know. I don't know where this is gonna be. Um, all I know is there's a trailer for it. It's supposed to be in January twenty fourth, twenty twenty. Oh, so just around so the corner. Next monthish. Yeah. Uh, I was on Twitter. Sly Flourish put out on Twitter. Hey. What kind of tools do you use to make your game better? Aside from like the practical dice, pencils, paper. Oh, cool. 
cool stuff like that. Yeah, so I came across a couple on there. One was Improved Initiative Online Tracker by Evan Bailey. So if it's an online, it's kind of interesting. You can actually create an encounter, and you can pick a monster. It's all OGL. And then you could put in the player's stuff, and what you could do is you can share that link to the players. So when they're on their mobile devices and they're looking at it, it will list out the initiative and who's ready and yeah slick it is pretty slick check it out and if you've if you know about it and you go oh, i knew about that well then why do you need to tell us damn it damn it all right uh next one from the same post the rook and the raven planners journals disc bound gaming notebooks this is something i really wanted to do like i want to do at some point myself is i'm not a designer though but it doesn't look very complicated. It's just coming up with like sheets of paper with pre-formatted fields and, and layout mm -hmm. and then ordering it from them and putting it in like these disc binders. I've always wanted to do something like this with um, with spell cards and <laughs> give it to and give them to my characters and this is your spell book. Oh right? sure. That's it. Well they know? have that. So they have inserts that you can yep. put the cards in. Yep, I've seen that. Yeah. And then they have where you can get like a plastic overlay and you slide that in and you can redo, you just put it over some a piece of paper and you can reuse it over and over. So they're pretty slick. I like the mentality behind it. I'd like to do one custom for myself, but we'll see. And, and when we talk about the, the disc binders, they're, it's like a three ring binder type, like a ring binder, except it's a solid disc. Right. Is the way it works when we say disc bound or whatever it is. So it's a lay flat Um ring bound type of layout. And you can slide your papers into it and they're kind of Yep. Yeah. Pretty slick. Check that out. And then of course I just put links into Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master by Sly Flourish, aka Mike Shea on Drive Through, as well as uh, Never Unprepared, the complete Game Master's Guide to Session Prep by our friend Phil Vecchione and the folks over at Encoded Design. So we'll have links to those too um, if you really want to check out some different ideas and approaches to game to, uh, game prep. They're, mm -hmm. they're the tomes that reign supreme, in my opinion. Agreed. So, Otherwise, I think that's it for the show this week. Yeah, we're good, man. Um, next week, we're going to talk about house rules. House rules? Yes. House rules. House rules. Yeah. Which is, <laughs> it's all about the TV show. All about the TV show and why it rules. I'm kidding. <laughs> Moving on. Right. Well, hope you all had a good Thanksgiving in the U.S. of A. Uh, and if you are not in the U.S. of A., we hope you are thankful for and everything is fine where you are. Absolutely. Otherwise, I'm Sean. I'm Brett. Good night. Good game and all. This episode of Gaming and BS brought to you with the help from the following BSers. Hawk Sparrow, Corey Wynn, Graham Miner. Joe Swick, Curtis Takahashi, Kevin Lovecraft, Joan, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Aaron Ralia, Larry Hout, Mark Tasaka, Pure Mongrel, Chris Steele, Ron Bishop, Thomas Hook, Wayne Humphrey, Craig, Brandon Barnes, Laramie Wall, Dan LaValley, Jason Hobbs, Sky, Old School DM, Perry Besor, Christopher Gray, Michael Dinos, Jim Fitzpatrick, Bruce Cunnington, John Kayward, Corey Gonzalez, Eileen Barnes, Robert Nemeth, Niall Diamond, Howard Bishop, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Eric Salzweedle, The Closet Gamer, Jeff Goad, Aaron Coleman, Ray Otis, C.W. Mellencamp, Craig Huber, Rich Wishon, Old Scouser Roleplaying, Jared Rasher, Andy Hall, David F. Blaylog, Harrigan, Melissa Bashinsky, Brian Rumble, Henry Newcomb, Eric 
Talvola, Hus Carl, Roger Brasslett, Mark Some, Andy Olson, Eric Avia, Ron Blessing, Jeff Seifert, Chad Glayman, Finolf, Josh Wallace, Mirko Froelich. For ways to support the show, head over to GamingMBS.com forward slash support dash us. There you'll find different ways that you can help out the show. Thanks, BSers. And happy holidays. This, this has been a Litterbox, Litterbox Studio production. production.